The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio Digital Media. Brought to you by Brown and Wood, Buick GMC, Cadillac and Mazda. Hey, Pirate Nation, this is Tom Brown from Brown & Wood Buick GMC Truck. We've been serving the Pirate Nation in eastern North Carolina for 83 years. We have four brands, three generations, two showrooms, and one goal, to make sure you leave a happy customer. We're located on Greenville Boulevard next to the convention center, or shop us online at brownandwoodauto.com. The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern North Carolina's longest-running sports radio call-in show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show on Pirate Radio is brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, The Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Taft Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers, EMS Builders, and the Rick House. And now, here's Brian Bailey. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into our show. We've got a good one planned for you. Disappointing day at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium on Saturday as the Pirates fall to South Carolina 20-17 to on that field goal at the gun. So we'll talk about the game a little bit. Robert Jones, the former All-American linebacker at East Carolina, the three-time Super Bowl champion, he's going to join us and get his thoughts on Pirate football in 2021. Talk about his days with those Dallas Cowboys. Also, later on in our show, J.J. McLam is the Executive Associate AD for Internal Operations at East Carolina. There were some problems as far as the home crowd is concerned. The home game uh, with some of the problems that came up with the long lines and the concessions and some of that stuff and the, uh, the audio from the PA announcers and stuff. So we're going to talk about that as well with J.J. and find out you know, what's going on with that and how they're going to get that thing fixed because we've got uh, almost two weeks before the next home game and hopefully things will improve for East Carolina and the Pirates. Again, the Pirates fall 20-17 to 17 to South Carolina. Robert Jones, the All-American for the Pirates, joins us next. This is the Brian Bailey Show. Thanks so much for starting out your sports week with us. And we're back with more after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. Hi, welcome back on this Monday. Our first guest is Robert Jones, the three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, the former East Carolina All-American. He keeps up with Pirate football, and he's got some thoughts for us today. Robert, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. How how are things for Robert Jones these days? Well, I'm going to... I'm here in Las Vegas. I'm gonna watch my son play tonight. Y'all know who that is. We do. We 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 thought you were gonna tell us. That, I think Clip made the joke, but but he was gonna make eight catches this Saturday for the Pirates, maybe. But that's not the case. Maybe eight catches tonight for the uh, Raiders. I Man, I'm not I'm not putting any pressure on him. As a matter of fact, I told him I said this game should be pressure. You you should just be privileged. Just go out and play and enjoy yourself and let the game take care of itself. Have you seen the stadium out there yet? I've seen the stadium from the outside. You know, I was out here a couple times last year, but, you know, due to COVID, we couldn't visit the uh, the stadium. So I'm excited about that, man. It's it's going to be an exciting time. So what have they said? Because everything that, that came out of the Raiders camp said they were really high on Zay this year. Well, you know, Brian, I've, I've just had a history that, you know, when someone offends my son, I go on the social media and I feel like I got to bully everybody. So I stopped 
looking so much. You know, I'm not saying I completely stopped, but I stopped looking. So I, I'm seeing some good stuff. Um, I just don't want to run into the bad stuff because I know people out there saying negative things. I'm just so glad that social media didn't exist when I played. Um, but I, uh, I feel like, you know, Zay's competition in camp, then John Brown being one of them. I respect John Brown. I think if they'd have had him in Buffalo, Buffalo probably would have won this past weekend or yesterday. Um, but for Zay to, uh, to compete against that guy because they, you know, they gave him more money and to compete against him for, you know, a spot on the team, it just shows the hard work that he's put in in the off season and, um, you know, just how he really takes his, uh, his job serious. And it's so difficult in the NFL, and I think that, you know, sometimes we take things for granted. Like like you were drafted by the Dallas Cowboys in the first round. You know, you went to camp. You know, the Cowboys had a really good team. You were part of that defense and had some outstanding players on that defense, and, and things came pretty easy. But things usually don't go pretty easy for, for any NFL player, really, when you look at it. They they don't go easy, and, and I'm going to tell you something. Um, I was just talking to – you know, Manisha about, you know, uh, I went to the Hall of Fame, you know, for Coach Johnson's, Jimmy Johnson's induction. And, um, and, and quite honestly, during that time when I played with the Dallas Cowboys, man, I, I could not stand Coach Johnson. And I'm, I'm just saying it, you know, just being truthful and honest. And I ended up with a guy in Dallas and ended up playing for him in Miami. He so valued me and I so value in him. But, I think as a young guy coming into the NFL, there's a high expectation, you know, for a player when they're drafted real high. And um, and they're trying to grow you up to be a man right away. And it's just tough in that transition because you in college, you know, it's everything is, is just kind of laid out for you and and you're the star on that team. So it, it was easy. But then, you know, going to the pros, having to start over the pressures of life and just not the – the stuff on the field, but you got to deal with the the media. You have to deal with personal things that's going on in your life, and now you got to provide your own place to live. And you know, oh man, I forgot about not even paying my electric bill. So I'm just kind of going by my experiences. You know, coming out of the NFL, I never paid electric bill until I was a rookie in the NFL. So you know, knowing that this stuff has to be done every month, um, and and it's not like you know. It's not like it's 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 difficult to do. It's just things that you have to constantly think about, so you don't have to, um, you know, uh, interfere with your your ability to be able to perform on the field. So anything that distracts you from becoming a great player on the football field when you get to that level can be very detrimental to your career. You know, it's funny you said that because I never paid an electric bill until I was divorced because that wasn't, you know, part of my role. My role was to make the money, put it in the bank, and, and the wife did everything. And then all of a sudden the wife's gone, and I'm thinking like, you know, and I didn't get in trouble. I didn't forget to pay it, but it was like, I wonder how you pay this light bill, and I wonder how how, how this thing works. And so you learn a lot, and, and I think that's just a real-life analogy with what, you know, I've gone through with, you know, comparing it to what you guys go through. And it, it's, it's kind of similar. If you're not used to doing that kind of thing, and all of a sudden it's thrown on you, it takes a while. It takes a while, and then you know, with all the the pressures of, you know, I think I went, um, shoot, you know, being in the uh, the NFL, you play in different states. I think I went, you know, almost I went a year and a half 
and didn't even pay taxes for other states. But I, I was dependent on someone else to tell me. But the IRS doesn't doesn't care if you don't know. It's like you know you're going through that school zone. If it's 20 miles an hour and you go through in 30, well, I didn't see the sign. Y'all don't even have a sign posted. You know, I didn't see it. Or, you think the the cops care that you went through it going real fast? So it's the life lessons and um and the one thing I appreciate about uh Jimmy Johnson during that time was that, you know, his um you know, his tenacity to to draw the best out of the player. And um he had his own way, you know, he's and when I say he had his own way, it's like I've I've never seen a coach that coached the way he coached, but it brought the best out in me. And um, it just took time because I had to get adapted to his style of coaching. Yeah, to elaborate on that, what were some of the things that that maybe he he was able to do? I mean, was it was it coming up to you at practice and 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 edge, egg, you know egging you on in certain ways or 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 in meetings or what were some of the things he could do? Some of the things that that Coach Johnson did, um, you know, if you perform well, and he always used his little philosophies, he. He did the two by four deal. He did the, and when I, I'll explain the two by four, um, but he did the two by four, um, psychological, um, uh, aspect of things. Um, from example, for an example, um, he said, if you take a two by four and you put it on the ground, you know, and you just walk on that two by four, you can walk all the way across that two by four. But if you take that same two by four and you put it 12 feet in the air, and now you try to walk across that two by four, you know, then your mind tells you that you can't do it. So your mind is, is, is what controls what you can do and what you can't do. So he was trying to train us mentally. He was trying to train us, you know, to be mentally tough. And so some of the things that Coach Johnson did, it's like when I played well and I did real good, I was expecting for that East Carolina um, pat on the back, you know, all the Brian Bailey's of the world and say, Hey, Robert, great job. All this stuff. Coach Johnson wasn't like that. If you played well, then it was your job. You were supposed to play well. So you never got a pat on the back. But if you saw him in the locker room on Monday morning after a Sunday game and he's in there talking to you, you're like, okay, that guy in trouble. He must have messed up because he watched the film. He must have messed up. So those are the things that he, he demonstrated. The other things that he did was that he was a little bit loose, you know, with players that performed well. He was real tight with players that didn't perform well. And then one of the other philosophies he used is that he he held his hands up. He says, everybody here on the scale, you know, and the, the bottom hand indicated the bottom of the scale and the top hand indicated the top of the scale. And he says, everybody in here, coaches all included, you know, you perform well, you're up here near the top, you know. Some of you in here, you're right in the middle. And some of you at the bottom on your way out. And so he's like, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to take a free agent offensive lineman's word, you know, that's not playing well over Troy Aikman's word. I'm going to tell you right now, Troy could be lying. I'm not going to take your word over Troy Aikman's word. So he, he used that as an example that, you know, if you play well and you perform well in here, then, you know, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little breathing room. But if you don't perform well, then you're on your way out. And and, and everybody kind of lived under that that type of umbrella 
when you played for Coach Johnson, you knew that it was no room for mistakes, no room to fumble the ball if you're in a running back or a wide receiver. You know, you can't run on the blocks if you're a linebacker. You know, you got to get to the quarterback rushing the passer. You better show up on time. You know, you don't come to a meeting um, at the time of the meeting. You better be there 10, 15 minutes. He says, when I walk in a meeting, that's when the meeting starts. So he just ran that type of uh, a shit. So I I understand now because, you know, I do that with, you know, uh, my guys that work for me now in my construction business. Robert Jones, the former East Carolina All-American, the three-time Super Bowl champion, joining us today. His son, Zay, plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's in Las Vegas right now. He'll see Zay play coming up tonight for Monday Night Football. This year, Monday Night Football only has one game, so it's an 8-15-ish type start uh, on the East Coast. But uh, yeah, the NFL got kicked off this week. Now, Robert, do you watch much NFL besides Zay's games? You know, I'm going to tell you, last year with the COVID, and it's limited amount of games. I mean, it just, it felt weird with no fans. Um, and it just seemed boring. It wasn't exciting. Um, and the only games I did watch were the games that, you know, Zayden came on. Um, I went to, you know, my first college game this year and it was to see Levi play, you know, at NC State. And I was walking and I, I even told my wife, I said, Man, I'm so happy to see all these people back out here. Man, it's just exciting, you know, to see that. And so to answer your question, um, yesterday I sat on the sofa and I'm like, we just flip channels. We watch all every game we could watch. We watch. And I'm like, I just enjoyed it all over. So I think what COVID did for me and speak for nobody else is that, um, it, it's almost like a refresh button that's been pushed in my head about, you know, just watching football. So, you know, to answer your question, I watched a bunch of games yesterday. So I could sit here like a commentator or an analyst now and get my opinion on certain people. Robert, when you look at, at, at East Carolina, do you get a chance to watch the Pirates play on Saturdays, and, and how close do you, do you keep up with the Pirates? I watched, I watched the Pirates play on Saturday. Yes, I did. I mean, I made one comment. Um, on Twitter about, you know, a crucial play. It was an interception that we threw as a pick six, um, you know, and uh, I, I watch my Pirates. I mean, sometimes I don't comment. I don't say anything um, because I don't, you know, I don't want to have that much of an opinion. I want to be very supportive. Um, you know, sometimes I feel real, you know, I feel real angry and I want to say something, but I don't. I try to control myself, but, you know, I, for the most part, I feel like, you know, our coaches are doing what they, what they supposed to do, but that's no, it's no different. It's no knock against Coach Houston and it's no knock against, um, uh, the coach that was there before. It's, it's, it's the same issue, just trying to get players to play at a, at a high level. And I think there's so many distractions that, that's really got our players where they don't take the game serious enough. I mean, I'm around a few of them and um I get to see how they how they act and and I don't I don't talk to them about you know how they approach the game and all of that stuff. I don't I don't get involved from that perspective. I'm just observing and I just don't see guys taking it 
you know, to heart, like really loving the game enough to where it's the number one passion. I'm not, I think everybody's, you know, they into the hip hop music, they into all the other things except the thing that's most important, and that's the game. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at this football team in the preseason, I kind of compared it a couple of times to you guys in 91. You know, when, you know, there, there wasn't a buzz about, hey, this part team's going to be great. We're going to, you know, win 11 games. We're going to be ranked ninth in the country when the thing's over with. There was, you know, there was an experienced group that was coming back. Now, this team is not as experienced as you guys were, but I think the pieces are in place. Now, we're only through two games and Pirate fans are quick to say, hey, you know, we're looking at 0 and 12 and that's not the case. But I, I think there is a. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's an 0 and 12. I think there's a lot of talent on that football team. And and sometimes it's just not about the talent. It's a matter of whether you want to get the job done or not. Has house how important it is to you to be that great player. When when we played the, the Peach Bowl year, and I know people are tired of hearing about it and us going back to that, I just know that you know, that my approach, Jeff's approach Luke Fisher, the Deion Johnsons, the Jerry Dillons of of the um of that time, all of us, I mean, we were you know, we were just wanting to go out and beat everybody's behind, you know. We just wanted to beat everybody's behind. We were tired of getting kicked around. Um it was important to us. I mean, guys showed up, you know, to wait room on time. We we had competitions within ourselves. You know, who's going to be the strongest? I know Dave Daniels and I, you know, were, you know, he's the strongest on the offense. I was the strongest on, on defense and the bench press and then, you know, the squatting it. It's like everything became a part of us and, and we, we just, we just wanted to get it done because we knew it would make us better at the end of the day. So it, it's, I think the coaches are doing their part. I mean, I see them. I'm watching them on the sideline. They're very involved. I can't hear what they're saying. Um, but I've seen coaches be very involved, you know, in the past few years. I just think these players, you know, somehow have to get it in their minds that we want to win. You know, we, we can't take a loss. We can't walk away and then, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, you know, we got 10 more games or we got nine more games. They have to, understand how important it is to them. And, you know, it's it's almost like the program at some point is snake-bitten on some things because, and you go back to the play you were talking about, it's 14 to nothing. the Pirates are in control on the scoreboard, they've got the football, and you're looking at the worst-case scenario should be you go in at a half up 14 nothing, and then the interception comes up. And, and you know, I had somebody come up to me. I was actually on the elevator going up to the press box, so I missed it, you know, live, but I, I saw the replays later on. Yeah. But it, it just seems like, you know, as Coach Houston said, if if that play works like it's supposed to, it's a big, you know, big play for East Carolina. Maybe the Pirates are up 21 nothing at the half. And I don't see South Carolina coming back from that. But it didn't happen that way. And, and it goes, you know, the ball hits somebody in the hands. It hits a, uh, the face mask, goes up, you know, guy catches it, stride, boom, he's gone. And, I mean, it was just all of a sudden, you know, the wind was taken out of the Pirates' sails. I. I go on a limb and I'll say this much. Um, I would, wa- I'm going to watch it again after I get off this, this radio show 
I didn't see it hit the, the face mask. Because if it would have hit the face mask of the of the uh the running back, then the ball would have been thrown, you know, pretty much the perfect spot where he could catch it. It was thrown a little behind him. I think it hit his shoulder pad. It bounced off the left shoulder pad of the running back. I still think it was a catchable ball. It wasn't that bad of a throw. It wasn't that bad of a throw where it was, you know, the guy had to really go out of his way to catch the ball. I do think that kid didn't miss the ball on purpose. I think that kid was thinking about making a play as well. Right. I think when I talk about something becoming important to you, you know, the first thing as a receiver that you have to do is what? Concentrate on catching the football. You got to catch the ball. I mean, and then you got to make a play. So when it becomes important to you, don't think about, man, just running a touchdown right away or a big game. Just catch the ball first and then make your move. You know, so I'm not trying to be, you know, a coach on this show. I'm just saying those are, it's just the little things like that, that, that hurt us. You know, being able to, um, you know, make make a play like because if he catches the ball and he gets tackled, you know, then what? We line up and then we got another play. Right. Now to but to miss the ball, bounce off the shoulder pad, guy catches it, then runs in, then it's a different ball game. Momentum swing, everything. Yeah, it was it was really just you know one of those those deals that that at the at the time I mean it was so quick and it was just like I said it, it kind of took the air out and still you're up by a touchdown at halftime but that's a that's a big momentum swing when you get into the second half. How about the play of the defense, Robert? The defense really played outstanding, didn't they? I think when you when you hold a team to his um. You know, you got the 17 points or less. Like, what was our score? What was our final score um, for that game, Brian? 20 to 17. 20 to 17. So when you hold a team to 17 points, um, you know, that's kind of like football, you know, standard. Like, you play really good defense. And I think, um, you know, with South Carolina beating us, you know, 20 to 17, um I still say the defense did, they did really well. I mean, you know, based on all the circumstances, based on all the situations that we put on it, because some teams will just, you know, after a pick six, some teams just go flat. And then I'm not saying they can't come back from it. We were still in the league, but um, they just died the rest of the game. So at least we didn't die. We fought, we fought, we fought. We just couldn't get nothing, you know, going again. And then sometimes, as a quarterback, I'm not saying this is the situation with ours, but sometimes as a quarterback, some who throw picks, they get a little bit of antsy about, you know, really taking, um, you know, shots. But um, I think, you know, just looking at that game, I think we played, you know, a good game. We just got to eliminate those little small things like that. Just got to eliminate those small things and make it important to us. And as a player, you know, when you think back to your career before you guys had the magical season, you had some losing records. Is it sometimes when you're playing in a game that that's in the back of your mind? Like, okay, you know, things are going well right now, but some, there's going to be a hiccup somewhere. I mean, does that work on you mentally? I think, I think it works on us mentally, but it, but I can remember, you know, um, 
with us, with, with Coach Lewis, when he was coaching us, you know, before y'all call it the magical season, I, I call it the season we, we finally put together. We just got tired of just losing. You have to get tired. You have to be sick and tired of just being sick and tired. Um, but I think we watched a bunch of clips one time of games where one play can change the entire game and we win these games. So he just showed us a bunch of clips of, you know, how, you know, we make one mistake, it costs us a touchdown, then this team beat us. Or, you know, we watch clips of, you know, our effort. You know, I remember um, uh, we went down to Georgia um, to play um, Georgia. I think it's my sophomore year. And um, after that game, we, you know, Coach, Coach Lewis was showing us a bunch of clips of, you know, guys' lack of effort. You know, guys choosing the wrong hole, guys, you know, making little small mistakes that if you get in the right spot, if you just run a little harder, you know, that's the difference in the game. That's the difference in the game. And so, you know, we started to believe that thing because it was something that could become reality. If you run a little harder, you know, instead of just guessing, study your playbook, understand who you're playing and then what you're going up against, and then be in the right spot. And then, you know, it was the first year that I learned, you know, how the game was broken down to where, you know, a cornerback is playing a wide receiver or a wide receiver is playing against that cornerback. You know, the linebackers are playing against, you know, the offensive linemen. Um, it's like beating that individual opponent every play, you know, beat him more times than he can, he can beat you. You know, it's like breaking the game down and understanding all of it and then studying. When did you know that you were tired of, of losing? When did you, did you know that year or, or was it before? Was it that summer that you guys had had enough of that? Because if you think back to that dream season, you know, the Pirates lost to Illinois on the road on that controversial, you know, onside kick deal and it was right. first and 25 and, you know, and really had a chance to win that game still. But you guys lost the first game. So how do you bounce back from that? Well, I'm gonna tell you, Brian. You know, when we when we lost to Illinois, I just felt um, I had the same feeling, and I know I'm, I'm speaking, you know, way past uh, the time that we played against Illinois. I had the same feeling I had when I was a Dallas Cowboy and we lost against San Francisco in the championship game in 1994. Like it was just a sick feeling because we should have won that game. We should have just won that game. So Illinois. I'm like, that's the, the first time they came out with the excessive celebration penalty. And I remember us recovering an onside kick. Clayton Driver and Travis Render, all of those guys out there, they would just jump and celebrate and all of that. And like, how do you, how do you take the possession of the ball back because of excessive celebrate, excessive celebrating? How do you do that? Yeah, it was, it was, it was really a, a mystery at all. It was the first, first time they did the rule. And what they did, if I'm, if my memory's right, you know, they backed up East Carolina 15 yards from where they recovered it. They didn't take the ball away, but then it was first and 25 instead of first and 10, which they've changed that rule too. And you know, you don't start off first and 25, but back then, if I remember correctly, that's exactly how it went down and the Pirates couldn't get the first down. And then, uh, they lost to the fighting Illini in a controversial ending. 
They stole our momentum, man, because what do you do after a big play? Yeah, you celebrate. You celebrate. Everybody celebrates. I've never heard of excessive celebrating. How do you excessive celebrate? I was just sick of that. But anyway, it's it's old news. But, you know, in our minds, we won that game. And Illinois, they know that we won that game because nobody expected for us to go to Illinois and play those guys like that. Nobody expected for us to go to Syracuse and play them like that. Um, you know, we were just tired of, of being everybody's, you know, homecoming beat up team and you know because we started to understand like man, every every game we go and play we somebody's homecoming you know that's their homecoming they, they know they're gonna beat us that's why they put us on the schedule of their homecoming game you know we just got tired of being those those type of guys and wasn't it wasn't it jimmy johnson that came out uh, in a sports illustrated article and talked about you know we don't play the east cupcakes or east carolinas and got everybody riled up remember that that's when he was at Miami, I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, you know, and then he drafts an East Carolina player. <laughs> yeah, he did, didn't he? And it worked out pretty well. And that East Carolina player helped him win three or two Super Bowls. Jimmy Johnson won two with the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, mm-hmm. that was uh, crazy times in Dallas. Robert Jones joining us today as the uh, Las Vegas Raiders get set to open up their 2021 season. His son Zay is a wide receiver with the Raiders. So, Robert, before we let you go now, uh, real quick, if you could speak to the Pirate football team today, if you could go into the locker room and look them in the eye, you know, what would you say to them to turn this thing around? They go to Marshall as a 10-point underdog. They still have time to get this season righted. But what do you say to that football team? Brian, you know, I, I cannot say what I really want to say to that football team on the radio. Oh, come on. You can you can make it PG. I, I, I don't even know how to make it PG because I get so passionate about it. Um, but it's. It's a combination of all the things that I've said. You know, I I would just go in and it's – I hate to point the finger at the social media. I hate to point the finger at, you know, everything that distracts us. But I would, I would emphasize really on, guys, football is not important to you. And when I say football is not important – I would give a bunch of examples. When it's important to you, you don't do, you know, A, B, and C. And when football is important to you, you know, you know your opponent. You study. So I would, I would sum all of that stuff up with some words that are, are really bad words. But um, it's just how passionate that I would be about how the game is supposed to be. For an example. You can ask any one of my teammates that played with me during the time I played. On Friday nights, guys want to go party, want to go do whatever. Ask them what Robert Jones was doing. I'm going to leave that a mystery for you guys. Ask them what Robert Jones is doing. And that's the thing that I will talk about to East Carolina. It's got to be important to you where you want to get your behind in the weight room and be the strongest player that you could be. You want to try to become the fastest player you can become. Zay Jones was a freshman running about a 4.85, maybe a 4.9 as a freshman. 
Coach Connors called me and he told me, he says, man, he's really not that fast. But he worked his behind off and he ends up running a 4-4-6 in the combine. That's somebody that it was important to. And he was passionate about becoming the best player the Pirates have ever seen at wide receiver. And he turned out to be what? The, maybe the, one of the greatest wide receivers in college football history with the record. College, fo- yeah. college football history. So my speech to guys at East Carolina right now, if it's important to you, you do the things that you need to do. You will study. You become the strongest football player that you can become. Um, you be smart. You make smart decisions on and off the field. You know, you do what you need to do in school. Nobody should have to babysit you. It's like those coaches come there to coach and make sure you become great athletes on the field and put you in position to win, not to babysit you and see if you go to study hall, you know, not to make sure they got it. Well, where's this guy? He didn't show up for, for, uh, for weightlifting. You, you can't be chasing guys around and babysitting them. If you got to do that, you got to get rid of them. That's the kind of speech that I would give these young guys at East Carolina. Words of wisdom from Robert Jones. Now, speaking of social media, before we let you go, I tweeted out a picture right before the show started, Robert. And so you got to get on social media and check it out. The newest addition to the man cave at the Bailey household is a Robert Jones autographed jersey. And I've got a picture in that jersey. I've got the license plate, if you remember correctly. When you were drafted, you signed a license plate for me with the Dallas Cowboys logo on it. And I got a picture of you and me from the uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium field from 2019 when we did the interview with you on the field. So I got that picture where you gave me a high five at the end of it and somebody captured it. So we've got that on as well. So uh, looking forward to hanging that thing up in the man cave and uh, celebrating those three Super Bowl championships with the Dallas Cowboys for Robert Jones. Brian, it's always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you so much and all the guys there at Pirate Radio. We appreciate you, Robert. Thanks so much. Good luck to Zay Jones tonight. We'll be watching him tonight on Monday Night Football. All right. Thank you, man. All right. That's Robert Jones, the three-time Super Bowl champion, former All-American with the East Carolina Pirates at linebacker, part of that dream season of 1991. All right. Let's take a commercial break right now. J.J. McLam, Executive Associate AD for Internal Operations at East Carolina, is up next. The Brian Bailey Show continues on this Monday after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. Hi, welcome back on this Monday. We're going to catch up with J.J. McGlam. He is the Executive Associate AD for Internal Operations. If you were at the game, and uh, many of you were, crowd of uh, announced crowd of over 40,000, probably closer to 35, actually, uh, in the... In the stadium on Saturday, but there there were there were problems galore as far as the concessions were concerned. A lot of people uh, going to social media and and voicing their concerns. I'm sure there were many an email that were sent out. So uh, we wanted to have JJ on and kind of talk about that and talk about some of the things that uh, East Carolina will look to uh, to improve on as we get set for our second home game of the season coming up in about a week and a little over a week and a half. So JJ joins us right now. JJ, when you when you looked at, at the concession situation on Saturday, what did you see and, and what can be done in the future? Yeah, well, Brian, you know, 
I saw the same thing a, a lot of you guys saw. And, uh, you know, first of all, let me just start by saying, hey, we recognize that we did not meet our standard this weekend in our concession operations. And we had several phone calls yesterday, meetings this morning with our staff and with our uh, vendor that handles that for us. And we're putting a plan in place that will address a lot of the issues and, and hopefully we will get back to meeting our standard uh, for the next game against College of Charleston. But, you know, you know, Brian, you and I talked earlier. The, the thing here is, uh, and I'm you know, not making excuses, but just talking through what, you know, actually happened is, you know, it's a labor shortage. And we found out late Friday that we had nine uh, nonprofit groups that were set to work our concession stands that, canceled on us and then we had two groups that just no showed on Saturday. So when you take eleven, you know, eleven groups that we're counting on to work for that, that totals hundred and twenty three employees that just doesn't show up, you know, twenty four hours before the game, it, it puts puts all of us behind the eight ball and, and trying to adjust and trying to move folks around to cover the different situations and the different areas and you know, we we acknowledge it. It was not our, uh, our our standard that we want to meet and, and realize we've got a lot of work to do over the, uh, you know, the next 10 days before we're back home in Dowdy-Ficklin Stadium. And, you know, I've been going to football games for 37 years now at, at Dowdy-Ficklin. I don't go under the stadium, under the stands that many times, but usually once a game or so. And, and I've never seen it like that before. So, obviously, it was something that was different than the norm for East Carolina. The way the stadium's set up, though, it's, it's, really, it's really difficult if you have a lot of people at the stadium for concessions anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, our operational flow is, is not the best given the – the parameters that we have to work within, you know, you got concession stands underneath the seats and then you got concession stands on the perimeter and the lines back up to each other. And, but, you know, we planned for that in the off season. If you'll notice, uh, you know, in 2019, when we added alcohol sales, we realized then that with, you know, a full stadium or, you know, a crowd of that size, that it created some logistic issues. So this year, in the summer, we work with our Airmark, our partner on this, and we moved on the south side the beer hubs to the old concession stands tucked way underneath to get that traffic off of the main concourse area, and which worked out great for us. It gave us a, a good spot to have queue lines in while you were getting there. But, you know, to your point, Brian, we did have some uh, logistical issues with the other stands running into each other, but, you know, we're working on that, and we'll have a plan in place as well. Yeah, that was my next question. You know, what what can you do? What kind of plan can you make to try to to alleviate some of that? Well, the first thing that we're, we've done, and you know, Airmark, our partner, we started working on it yesterday. You know, we're reaching out to additional groups. Uh, you know, like I say, when you lose 11, 11 groups, one hundred twenty-two people, uh, it's hard to make up. But we've got to have some more groups in our toolbox that we can call. And, and have there. So, you know, Brian, if you know anybody that uh, has a group that wants to work at concession stand, put them in touch with me and uh, we'll definitely get them through the training and get them set up because you can never have too much staff. And that was one of the things that, you know, we found out going into it. But, you know, to Airmark's defense, uh, we knew we were going to be a little bit understaffed. So what they did three weeks ago, you know, they went to their corporation and we brought in 40 Airmark employees, a 
across, you know, from other institutions all the way from Clemson to Wilmington to Lenore Ryan that we brought them in to help manage and to work. But then when we had these 11 groups just, you know, call out and no show on Saturday, uh, you know, you didn't have enough time to, to make it up at that point. And so we tried to move some folks around and, and adjust the best we could. But uh, obviously we did not meet the standard and, and we were working tirelessly to address that moving forward. All right, if I have a nonprofit group and I'm listening today and I have a nonprofit group that, that would like to participate, uh, tell us a little bit about what they would do and, and, and how the non, you know, how they, they can, you know, raise funds for their particular group with this, this endeavor. Yeah, and, and I would say it's really not, you don't have to be a nonprofit. You can be any group. Um, and then you work with them. You go through a series of training, uh, with Airmark as being one of our vendors. There's always paperwork you got to fill out. But then you get paid a commission on those sales that your stand does for that day. And uh, it's in that 10% range where you get paid. And, you know, Airmark settles up with you after the game. And, and you know, it's, it's a great moneymaker for your organization or for your nonprofit. So, you know, I, I ask if there's groups out there to contact me and we will get you set up. All right, that's J.J. McGlam, Executive Associate AD for Internal Operations. The other issue that that that, that, that most people are talking about was the audio from the P, uh, PA announcer and, and, and things we did on the field. I will say that I know it was tested early, that it worked fine. I tested the microphone on the field, and it worked fine about 10 a.m. So something went on during the game, and it sounded really muffled. And, and that's a shame because we had, a, a I, thought, I thought, a very nice presentation for um, – you know, remembering the 20 years of 9-11, and then we had the, the video at halftime that was very well done. But, you know, what happened with the audio, and how do you fix that thing? Yeah, and, uh, you know, Brian, it's, it's like the perfect storm. You can test that thing, you know, all week. We ran numerous videos on it. You know, we uh, had a walkthrough in the stadium on Wednesday and Thursday with it, uh, going through the script. And, you know, it is, it's very unfortunate, and I apologize to a lot of folks that, uh, you know, could not hear the great videos and the tributes we had playing for that day. But, you know, our video and audio guys uh, are addressing that situation. But, you know, as anything, you've got equipment, and uh, it's our best friends on some days and our worst friends on others. But uh, we had some equipment failure that uh, went out up in the back to the top of the scoreboard that drives the speakers. And I can uh, tell you what our guys told me, but uh, the technical side of it, there is uh, – uh, a bunch of clusters that run that system up there, and uh, one uh, one of the clusters went out, which caused the uh, a couple of the amps that drive the system to uh, to fail that day. And so we are addressing that and working with it uh, as quick as we can to uh, to get that fixed. Yeah, and it's you know I think I think the frustrating part on your side is the fact that you know people hear that and they think well you had you know you had didn't have a crowd last year, so you had all this time to make sure it's ready, make sure it's working. As you said, you've tested it, you know, and I, I can vouch for you because I tested it and everything sounded fine. So, I mean, you hate that it happens. And the one thing that I've talked to several people about is if East Carolina kicks a field goal to win that game 20-17, to 17, you know, nobody's talking about that. But it's still got to be fixed, obviously, but it's not the main topic of conversation. The long lines aren't the topic of conversation. The, the audio is not the topic of conversation. You know, it's the fact that the Pirates were able to pull off a big win, and, and they weren't able to do that, and so everything's kind of magnified. Yeah, and, and it is, but at the end of the day, Brian, you know, we didn't perform – 
the way we needed to uh, to meet our standard that we have from a facilities and operations standpoint, a game day atmosphere, game day environment. And uh, so we've got to uh, correct those things. And, you know, at any given time, a piece of equipment can go out or, you know, can, can fail. And, you know, we uh, just need to do the best we can and, and make sure that we have prepared as we can. And, and I think our guys were prepared uh, on the audio and the video side there. But, uh, you know, equipment failures, and I know, you know, the 40,816 fans that are in the stands, they don't want to hear it. But, uh, you know, that's what it was, was an equipment failure. But we are working uh, very diligently to uh, to get those repaired and replaced if needed and, and get it back where we're back to normal for the next home game. All right, were there any other issues before we let you go? Not that we want to pile on or anything, but did anything else come up we're not thinking of? No, I mean, you know, there's always little things that you can tweak and uh, and change and make better. And, uh, you know, I can say there's nobody working harder right now in our, in our department than our staff on realizing there's a couple of these things that we need to tweak and, and make better. And, you know, our staff is uh, really working on that this morning. And I think you'll see a uh, improvement before the next game. And I just ask our fans that, you know, hey, if there's something there's something there that doesn't work, doesn't meet your expectations, uh, to let us know. You're not, um, you know, we don't know something's not there if we're not notified of it. And, uh, you know, but we are working very hard uh, to get it back to our standard. J.J. McLam joining us. And, J.J., thank you for uh, coming on the show with us. We thought it would be, you know, good to get somebody out in front of all this stuff. I know you're going to be on with Troy later on today here on Pirate Radio, so if there's some other questions that come up and that kind of thing. But we certainly appreciate you taking time out with us uh, today at, on the noon hour to uh, talk about some of that. And uh, going forward, let's hope everything works, right? Oh, well, we will definitely be working towards that. And I really appreciate it. All right, J.J. McLamb joining us. We'll take another commercial break. Back with more on the Brian Bailey Show to wrap up this edition after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back as we wrap up this edition of The Brian Bailey Show on this Monday. East Carolina on the road this week at Marshall. I was a little surprised that the point spread that came out was 10. Uh, Marshall, obviously, at home, undefeated on the season so far. Picked to win Conference USA. I thought the point spread would be closer to six or seven, but uh, the number was ten. Uh, I went Brock, the other way. You went the other way? You thought it would be more? I was thinking around 14. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, Marshall, uh, and look, they played Central and uh, Navy. Right. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's something like I did the math. It was like 96 to 20, their combined scores this year, yeah. outscoring opponents. So. They're a good team. Well, they put it to Navy, and any time you can beat the, the midshipmen, obviously it's a big deal if you think back to matchups between Navy and East Carolina through the years, although East Carolina did play them and should have beaten them last year, most certainly. But uh, yeah, Navy's uh, down right now. They fired right. their offensive coordinator right. already. They sure did. Fired their offensive coordinator. and then, What was that final? 49-7 opening day? I think that's what it was. Yeah. And then uh, Marshall was able to beat North Carolina Central to go to 2-0 and on the season. So it's 2-0 and Marshall, 0-2 East Carolina, 2 o'clock start time on the Pirate, uh, we'll call it the Bud Light pregame. The Bud Light tailgate. pregame tailgate. I was trying to, I was going to say the Pirate Bud Light pregame tailgate, but Daily, the uh, uh, Bud Light pregame tailgate. Enjoy talking with you on the show, and also uh, another great video on ah. Saturday as you went to the Sizzler. Yes, I did. And you know what's funny about about the videos because you know Jonathan Ellerby talked to me about what to do, and he said you know kind of just put your own you know touch on it. 
And so I woke up that morning. I was like, I have no touch. I don't know what I, I didn't know what I was going to do in Charlotte. That turned out good. Yeah. But then I thought, you know, you're going to run out of this quickly and this is going to be one week that's good and the rest of them. But then I walked on the field. I was trying to do something else about the tunnel or something. And then I saw her over there and she was really, really nice. And, yeah. you know, because she was talking about the uh, Sean Bailey piece that we aired on the coaches show. And she said that my name came up on one of the production meetings. And so we started talking about, you know, that's that uh, piece on Sean Bailey and his dad, Steve Bailey, big Steve. And so, um, that turned out that turned out really 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 nice and you know she was nice so we put that piece together for the pregame show and that was our uh, video portion for the Bud Light pregame tailgate so I, I I enjoy doing those things I'm not yeah. real comfortable holding the phone and doing a video that way and some people like doing that you know I've always looked at a camera through all my uh, I didn't you know, really think about that but it, and and I, I I just you haven't gotten used to where I'm holding this thing <laughs> no I'm not even in the frame half the time because <laughs> I'm I'm busy because I talk with my hands so think about it if you're a guy who talks <laughs> with their hands. And you've got a phone, and he's trying to shoot Well, you're video. doing good with it. I yeah. didn't even thought about that. Yeah, well, you watch a little closer. I will now. I'm going to critique it heavier now. And you'll see that uh, maybe I'm not doing so well. But uh, I enjoy doing them, and uh, you guys do a great job on the pregame show. Man, and the Pirate fans are really lucky to have, you know, the, the the commitment the Pirate Radio does on the pregame show and the postgame show. And now you got Weaver you can kick around a little bit. So we had a I long think, postgame. Yeah, you did. I kept thinking about calling in, and then uh, – and Melissa told me she said she said, "Babe, you can call if you want, but they keep saying the lines are packed. Their lines are packed, so I didn't get in." But oh yeah, I got, you had the back line. That's right. I do line. have the back line. I forgot about that that number, so I have to do that next time. But you guys handled it pretty well. You yeah. Had a, had a pretty exciting show, didn't you? It was a wild one, man. Yeah, a lot of still a lot of passionate pirate fans, and I really hope they can get a win to keep the passion because, as we know, Bailey, it goes from. Upset to apathy, you know, pretty quick. So we just don't want that to happen. Well, when you look at the month, you know, when you start the season, I think all of us as fans look at the month and say, okay, where are the wins going to come? And we looked at Appalachian State, and obviously we thought the Pirates, and, and I think I watched App State in Miami. App State's really, really good. It was a great game. Okay, it was a great game. But, you know, the App State game, could, I think, could have gone either way. Didn't go the Pirates' way. You know, you look at South Carolina, their SEC team. You still thought you could get two wins out of this month. Still got a chance at that. You got to go to – I didn't think Marshall would be as good as they've shown so far. But we'll see how good they are this week when the Pirates go up there. And you've got your, your home game coming up at the end. So, uh, you know, still a chance to get those two wins. And then the conference season starts, and that's when everything pretty much starts over. But the Pirates – and they know they've got to right the ship. They know they've got to be better. The coaches know it. The offense certainly knows it. And I think we'll see uh, some improvement coming up this week. All right, that's going to do it for our show. I want to thank Robert Jones, the three-time Super Bowl champion of the Dallas Cowboys, the former East Carolina Pirate All-American linebacker, joining us today for our show. also want to thank J.J. McLam for uh, stepping up and talking about some of the issues from the first home game of the season. He's the executive associate AD for internal operations over at East Carolina. Have yourself a great sports week. We'll see you back here next week on The Brian Bailey Show. This has been The Brian Bailey Show, brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sub Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, The Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Tap Tap and Hagler, Tiebreakers, PMS Builders, and The Rick House. Join us next time for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, exclusively on Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.